I personally think that every team in the AFL, maybe besides like two of them, is personally conspiring against my tipping just to make it look that much worse because, oh, <laughs> oh round 15 sucked. I really didn't like it. Uh, I guess, I mean, I think everything that we thought would happen was the complete opposite. I guess you could just say that for the entire AFL season so far. I mean, between Richmond getting ran out of the water, between Brisbane making a huge um, statement against the Geelong Cats, and North Melbourne Roos getting their second win of the season, and not only was it surprising with the results, but it was also surprising because, I swear, it looks like at least half the teams in this league did not know how to, that bad. The thing is, you kicked the ball through the middle uprights and not the outer ones. It seems like a lot of teams are having problems with those, so I guess uh, I gotta get myself down to Australia and uh, kind of sort this thing out for a lot of these teams. But Donnie, what'd you think of round 15? Oh man, just some, just some so many interesting results. I, I mean, I agree with you. My tipping didn't go exactly uh, peachy. I, I think I did a <laughs> tiny bit better than you. but No, you, you I, mean, would, I would going, hope you did. Going four and five was not exactly a great round just because I think... I, I mean, nobody expected Richmond to utterly, um, um, you know, what the bed yeah. against the, the St. Kilda Saints. And and I think also a little bit is I, I think everybody saw that West Coast being at home uh, against the, the Western Bulldogs, Western Bulldogs having to go over to the West Coast, that that was one of those. I think a lot of people thought and the Eagles are starting to get going, especially with all their ends and another another capitulation by the Eagles. And then un unfortunately, I, I, I thought you were going to start the episode that they were conspiring against your GWS giants, not to make the finals considering <laughs> no. everything, everything that could have helped you get into the eight uh, happened. No, and, uh, well, I wouldn't go that far because GWS <laughs> conspires against themselves. <laughs> oh man. The most frustrating game of footy I've had to watch in a while, and every frustrating game is a game with the Giants. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of our AFL Breakdown. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by the fourth-long AFL correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess. And we're here to talk everything footy between the craziness on the field off the field and maybe some good stuff on Twitter but we're going to take you through every game of the round then we're going to give you Donnie's team of the round and we're going to take a look at round 16 power rankings and some tipping man I this is going to be a tough one to get into just because man I really didn't know what the hell happened once again but like I said thank you so much for joining us this is the American Voice of the AFL and I'm excited to get started on this round but before we get into the actual first game between Brisbane and Geelong. There's some stuff going on, some possible hubbing uh, that the AFL is kind of kicking the can around. Donnie, would you like to go into this a little more? Well, unfortunately, 
uh, Australia is still dealing with COVID, and unfortunately, this Delta variant is really, really wreaking havoc. Unfortunately, now Western Australia had to shut down. It was the reason why the Western Bulldogs and West Coast Eagles did not have any fans at at theirs. Darwin and the in the Northern Territories has closed down. The South South Adelaide has closed its borders. Queensland has several cases. And unfortunately, this all kind of stems out of New South Wales and Sydney having a bot and having a cluster. And unfortunately, it just wreaked havoc on on this week's not only scheduling, but just then some of so much news after the North Melbourne team was put into isolation due to one of their stewardesses testing positive for COVID-19. So it's been quite an interesting, uh, interesting last uh, 48 hour, 48 to 72 hours when it comes to news, because I guess Geelong actually just missed that particular stewardess. They actually flew on a flight earlier. Oh, that's perfect. And just missed that stewardess. So they didn't have, they did not have to, uh, to um, isolate down in Geelong. So it's been quite an interesting news week. And I know that there, there have been many, many a, a writer in Melbourne that are already bringing up the fact that there's potential to hub all of the teams in Victoria use not only the MCG Marvel, but also use Ballarat, use Geelong, and then potentially if they can work it out with the Tasmanian government, also using Hobart and Launceston as well to be able to potentially do either a festival of footy or be able to hub everybody and use those particular um, venues mm -hmm. over the next few weeks. Now, this has not been confirmed. This is this is pure speculation. Um, they did ask um, the CEO, Gil McLaughlin, about it. He kind of dismissed it um, quite quickly. I, I think that right now he's still kind of tap dancing around not only the CBA with the players because the players were told at the start of the year that they would never have to be more than three weeks away from their families. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately <laughs> with the new South Wales, with the new South Wales cases increasing still um, Sydney and GWS, I do not think they are going to be able to go back to new South Wales anytime soon. So mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling that that particular promise may not be kept. So we will really kind of have to keep an eye on these next two or three days as of right now, no changes to the venues that have already been announced have been set for this. I know the West Coast game against Sydney is now going to be played at the Cattery down in GMHBA. As of right now, again, this is still Monday. There's several days still to come. As of right now, none of the other games have any issues. It sounds mm -hmm. like Brisbane is going to have to fly to Victoria and spend 60 hours in Victoria to be able to fly into New South Wales because the fact Queensland has cases. No, no, it's Gold Coast. My apologies. It's no, no, Gold Coast is playing rich. No, it is Brisbane. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> this whole thing is just yeah. so confusing because we're trying to keep track of it because Brisbane plays Adelaide. Okay. So Brisbane would have to fly to Victoria, basically do the hotel quarantine that Collingwood has done last week and uh, Sydney did this week and Geelong is done, that they would stay in Victoria for 60 hours to do their quarantine. Then they could fly over to, to Adelaide, play the game, and then fly out that night. So there's still kind of, there's still a lot of things going on. Um, Metricon Stadium for the Geelong, for the Gold Coast Richmond game, which we can talk about that later, why it's a Thursday night game. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, Gold Coast, coast is not considered a hot zone so i think richmond will be able to fly up to queensland play that game as long as they can fly home that night and then the carlton versus 
Frio game this week, which is supposed to be in Perth, as of right now, is a go. But there's still some speculation if any more cases pop up in Perth, there's a potential that Frio may have to fly over and play the game in Victoria. So that game is still kind of, it as of right now, as of recording, and as of the last information that I have seen, that game will still be at Optus Stadium. There still is a chance for crowds, mm-hmm. but they're still kind of, so, so right now we're, we're kind of holding unbated breath uh, on many of these days that hopefully none of these cases get any worse and that we can still get the footy in. But it is interesting to see the Tonka footy festival to the point where there could be games every night for a couple of weeks Jeez. to get two or three rounds in. Mm-hmm. So in case they do need to take a week or so off to let this kind of die down, there's possibility. Again, it's all speculation. It's all talk. But unfortunately, it is very, very relevant with all the things that are going on in Australia when it comes to COVID and this this Delta variant, which is wreaking havoc, unfortunately, not only on Australia, but also on the footy. So to all of our um, um, all of our fans in Australia who, who are having to deal with this, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We're here for you. Please reach out to us on the socials if you need somebody to talk to. If anything like that, we, we are thinking about you, hoping this goes quickly. And if you get a chance, please get the vaccine. Please get the vaccine. It, trust me, it, it saves lives. Trust me, it does. Now let's get to the fun stuff and start off with uh, some revenge from round two of the season. A game that ended with uh, a little bit of controversy there at this game. Uh, definitely not decided by a one-point margin as we have the Brisbane Lions handling the Geelong Cats at the Gabba. And this was a game where this probably is Brisbane's best and biggest win of the season so far. They overtake Geelong on the ladder. The Cats fall out of the top four as a result of this. And they do this in a, a fashion where their big three are pretty much absolutely nowhere to be seen in this one. Cameron, Hawkins, and Dangerfield, they combine for two goals and three behinds on the contest. And obviously, that's not even good. I mean, that's a decent stat for one player, let alone three guys that are supposed to be some of the best players in the entire league. So that's not the not going to get it done. But it's Brisbane's defense that just looks fantastic in this game, suffocating the Cats every time they had the ball. And I really like to see, of course, the leading scorer for for Brisbane was Joe Danaher. But I really like to see, I like love seeing the play that Charlie Cameron um, showed in this. He went three and three, and I think that maybe over Hipplewood, over Bailey, I think it's going to be Charlie Cameron. That's going to ultimately be the X factor for this Brisbane Lions team once we get into the finals. And this was just a game where they literally Brisbane kind of exposed. Uh, Geelong a little bit is they took what Geelong has been doing so well and that's being an intercept marking team and they literally gave them very few chances they just Mm -hmm. Geelong could not get their intercept mark and and rebounding rebounding 50 balls um, going at all I mean Tom Stewart breaks ties a record for most intercept marks and I think he only has one in this game total I mean Danaher and Hipwood were marking everything they were great in the air but it also helps when Oscar McInerney just absolutely went to town in the ruck battles, getting 35 headouts himself. He absolutely dominated. Mark Blitzovs was everywhere in this contest, and that really gave Brisbane first shot at the footy. And when you have Lockie Neal, Dane Zarco, Jared Lyons in that midfield, man, Geelong just could not stop an avalanche. And again, this this Brisbane Lions team shows that when they're going, 
They are incredibly, incredibly difficult to stop. Um, wow, just what a performance by the Brisbane Lions, a, 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 a pure flag marker set. We are going to contend for the flag this year. Mm-hmm. This is our statement. I love this game, too, because this definitely uh, this could easily be a matchup that we see later on in the finals. So I would love to see them somehow meet up, uh, whether in any one of the rounds, because we had the potential to get a trilogy um, on the season. So wouldn't that be the, the ultimate game to see who can go up to the one on each other? Uh, man. I do feel bad, though, uh, for one team, and one team in particular, and that's the team I love, man. I, I love room for Essendon. <laughs> but I'm really worried that they're going to have to face this Geelong Cats team coming off a loss like this. Oh, that, oh that's probably not going to be pretty, is it? <laughs> we'll have to see. It all just kind of depends. I know Essendon really, really pushed Melbourne this week. Um, mm-hmm. We'll discuss that a little bit later. But yeah, I, I I'd be a little concerned if I was an Essendon Bomber supporter because you may get a very angry and very motivated Cats team this week um, across from your beloved Bombers. Um, so you, you better come to play in that game because I I think an angry Tom Hawkins and angry Jeremy Cameron um, they they could go absolutely nuts and it could be a very long day when when they play the Bombers this weekend. That's potential to to get ugly real fast but speaking of ugly let's talk about richmond versus st kilda because this game was so so painful to watch even if you're a st kilda fan uh this is still hard to watch in some parts but richmond they lay an absolute egg as they look abysmal in front of the goal uh during this game and this is a record for their lowest score since 1961 their lowest score at the mcg since 19 19- 27 and their sixth low score in team history so with numbers like that you just know that it is not good but if we want to take a look at St. Kilda it wasn't necessarily that the Tigers were bad because they were but that's not telling the full story the full story is that this St. Kilda defense was also pretty damn good during this game uh, they forced a large num- number of errors for the Tigers whether it's in the midfield or in the 50s and Richmond had just a 32 percent of a disposal efficiency rating inside the 50 obviously that's not going to get it done and that's not going to get points on the board especially when the ball's just coming off the toe all sorts of wrong for these two teams and this is just a game that everything that could go wrong for richmond did go wrong mm-hmm. they they did not get off to a good start they they go they kick 05 in the first quarter they don't kick their first goal until midway through the second quarter they started the game off one goal seven behinds mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. didn't kick their second goal to the third quarter and that would be it for all of their goals kicked in this entire game a grand oh. total of two <laughs> So unfortunately, well, and and then to add to that, the fact that in in the span of about forty five seconds, they lose Noah Bolta, mm-hmm. Noah Bolta, and Broad to syndesmosis injuries of both their ankles, so both of them are going to be out. So, not only do you lose this game, not only do you get embarrassed on Friday night, but you lose two of your staples on defense. I mean. I have to admit, I've watched several of the wrap-up shows and different stuff. There are people already saying I, they think Richmond's chance for a flag is already done, and we're not even in the finals yet. So I would like um, to hop on that train too. I would. I'm. I don't know. This is this is a very weird time of year to jump to that because again, it's 
it's kind of like it's kind of like other sports sometimes you get a team that comes into the finals and they get a hot streak and they mm-hmm. go and richmond has done it before i just there there i agree with what one analysis person says this is not the richmond team that just utterly just pounds you and continues to pressure you and the and there's something not right about it mm-hmm. and and I can't put my finger on what it is. I don't know if, if it's, if maybe there's a lack of hunger because of all the championships. I don't know. I, I hate going there. It could be a thing though. That's a real thing. Exactly. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing coming into it is, is that how do they respond from this? I mean, you go from a St. Kilda, this St. Kilda game here, everybody had four points on, on the Richmond ledger. So for you to lay an egg in this game and now it's like, now you play gold coast this week. And I'm like, is there any thought? I mean, if it would be an utter disaster if Richmond loses to Gold Coast on Thursday night. Wouldn't that be the funniest damn thing ever? <laughs> the, the the tweets alone from the Richmond fans would almost be worth watching it. I, I don't it. wish I don't wish it upon anybody, but I'm very interested to see if it does happen because that that it, it literally Rome would be on fire. I mean, everything mm-hmm. will be on fire that happens so oh, that'd be so damn good the, I, the I weird don't... thing here man is with richmond is that this whole talk never count out richmond but if you're looking if you're like a fresh fan and you're just looking at this season alone uh it looks it, it's i wouldn't blame them if someone said no this richmond team isn't really that good and they're not going to make the finals i wouldn't blame them so the only thing that richmond really has going for them at this point in time is history that's all. They don't have anything from this season, so it's so weird to hear this conversation. Yeah, it's it's it is kind of one of those. It's what have you done for me lately? Type of things. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think if they haven't had won the titles, like if you just look at this season in in, in a in a glass box, yeah, there's a lot of people that could sit here and say there, there's no way this Richmond team's won three flags in the last four years. There's no way. So it, it is quite an interesting debate whether whether or not we can proverbially, as as many of the Aussies say, put a line through Richmond when it comes to their, their flag hopes. Mm-hmm. Now, they do get a tiny bit of good news besides the loss of both. They could get Vlaston and Lynch back for this game. Now, that doesn't fully help their depleted defensive line losing Bolta and Broad so to some dysmosis injuries. Vlaston will only fill one of those two holes, so it sounds like a youngster may get a shot in the back line. But having Lynch being able to come back in and having another linchpin up front, pardon the pun there, um, <laughs> to kick goals, I think could potentially help, especially considering you're coming up against a Gold Coast team that I think is ripe for the pickings to help this team get going back. But you just... The way this year's footy is going, mm-hmm. Thursday morning could be quite interesting if Gold Coast finds a way to win this because all, all, all everything is going to hit the fan per se if that does happen. And I'm almost intrigued enough to to want to see it happen. No offense, Richmond fans, but I'd almost be interested to see what kind of reaction we get if the 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 unspeakable of Gold Coast knocking off Richmond on Thursday night footy slash morning mm-hmm. here uh, footy. So. No offense, Richard, but fingers crossed. <laughs> Let's get into this next game. Uh, that was Collingwood and Fremantle. And to be honest, I didn't really have that high of expectations for this game, but it totally blew me out of the water. This is a really fun back-and-forth game with the Dockers rallying late and spoiling uh, Robert Harvey's first game coaching the Richmond or the sorry the Collingwood club. Um, and now the question you really have to ask is with Col- uh, Richmond 
or uh, man, I keep on getting all these names wrong. Excuse me, the free Fremantle. They've now won three of their last five. They're number nine on the ladder. They're tied in points with Richmond right now for the eight spot. They're just about about eight percentage points away from this one. So you really have to ask the question. And then we were kind of looking at this at the beginning of the season, or like the first half of the season. Like, yeah, this Fremantle team looks good. They look like they could be contenders and. They just kind of dropped off. Ever since we put them on our power rankings, I feel like we kind of <laughs> kind of cursed them since then, right? But now they're starting to get back up. They're right there in the standings. And can this Fremantle team actually make the finals? I, I knew this question would come, so so I had to. I, I took a look at this uh, earlier, and, and, and unfortunately... Frio fans, I, I I wish I could give you great news, but unfortunately I'm looking at your schedule and it is not giving me a super amount of confidence. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just going to roughly say this really quickly. Um, after Carlton this week, they do get Hawthorne, but then they run into this, um, shall we say, gauntlet of games. Geelong, mm-hmm. Sydney, mm-hmm. Richmond, Brisbane, West Coast. That's not good. Of five weeks in a row. Now, if COVID holds back, okay, COVID is not an issue. They will host Geelong. They will host Richmond. They will host Brisbane. And technically, they will be the host team for the West Coast Eagles. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you bank a little bit on that, that they're going to play a little bit better because they have played really well at Optus Stadium. So, most of those games, those tough out of a five stretch games, only mm-hmm. one's on the road and that's in Sydney, which right now could potentially be in Victoria if things keep going the way they're going. But if they're able to play those games in Optus, there is kind of that thought process of, well, Richmond's kind of struggling. How is Richmond going to be in about four weeks? Are, are they going to have anybody back? You may potentially say, okay, G- Fremantle may be able to pull that upset. But I have a hard time seeing them beating Geelong, even though Geelong on the road, you'd never know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can. And then it's West Coast and Brisbane. That is a murderer's row five games. If it goes the way I see it, unfortunately, I just I think they're just not going to make the finals because I think this five game stretch here, even playing at Optus, mm-hmm. is just absolutely a terror at the wrong possible time of the season to play some of the top tier teams. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. number three, number six, number eight, number two, and number seven. All I mean, number three and number seven, all in the top eight mm-hmm. in the span of five consecutive weeks. That is, that is that is just difficult. And your three other games are Carlton, who I think played a much better game this week, but we'll yes. still have to see because that won't be in Optus Stadium potentially. Let's not talk about Hawthorne. Hawthorne, which they don't like them. I, I know you don't <laughs> like them. But but this is a game that can be a little bit scary because that Good. game is supposed to be in Tasmania and Hawthorne plays Tassie and the last game of the season is St. Kilda. Yeah. So their, their, their games are a little daunting. If you look at their, if you look at their list. So mm-hmm. unfortunately I, I don't mean to, uh, to kind of dismiss it, but I have a hard time seeing this Brio team making the finals unless they get one heck of a run and they get at least two or three of those games at home in Optus Stadium against the mm-hmm. best team 
find a way to pull out victories that I think a lot of people right now looking at it would have them as underdogs. At least for you, Frio fans, I actually have them. It, it's hard. It Ultimately, if they go 4-4, four and four, I played around with the ladder for the AFL. Depending, if everything stays true to what I think will happen, which probably won't. But just going off this theoretical, they're in or out depending on what happens round 22 against West Coast. So there's a lot riding on that game. Obviously, man, I'm super excited for round 22 because that's where like a lot of my pivotal games come into play. And so that is going to be some crazy, crazy stuff. Now, before we get to this next game, if you're paying super close attention, you'll be able to spot the differences, at least on the video form. So for those that are able to spot that, congrats. It's really not that hard. Don't you just love when your whole power goes out uh, when you're in the middle of recording? It really could not have come at a better time. But here we go. We are rolling on to North Melbourne and Gold Coast. And <laughs> I, I kind of like this because on, on one side, I love rooting for this the most underdog team you can in the North Melbourne Rose. They get win number two. But at the same time, I kind of want to like the Gold Coast Suns and support them. But it's hard to do that when you lose to the worst team in the league. And Gold Coast's history of being horrible at the end of the season continues. They drop it to the number 18 spot. Although, it was way closer than it should have been. Because Ruzico 9-18 kicking in this game. So, I mean, if you just do half of that, it's a blowout. But what, what I saw, like in every North Melbourne game we see, is that they play tough. They play gritty. They're relentless. They take advantage of of mistakes. Uh, although they're a lot of times not given much or able to capitalize off it, they do take advantage against, especially against a bad looking Suns team. And they might have a chance of not finishing last. So there's a little bit of hope. No finals hope, but just hope that you're not the wooden spoon. Man, this Roos team just. I think they've just kind of clicked into gear. I think finally Coach Noble has got this team kind of clicking. They went they went from a team that was utterly putrid. I mean, a, a, anybody could score on them. I mean, yeah. an under-eight team could have scored on the North Melbourne Roos the way they were playing <laughs> earlier in the year. But they, they've really kind of solidified themselves. They've got some of their injuries back. And I really think you, you see the fruits of that labor. I mean, Jai Simpkin is starting to play really well. Ben Cunningham, Ben Cunningham has played really, really well. Mm-hmm. Zebel and Zerha have both been playing amazing for the Roos. So this is really two teams going the opposite directions. You have a North team that really has rebounded after an, a horrid start to the season and Gold Coast kind of doing the opposite. They started kind of well, played well, and they just started to kind of do their prototypical fate after round 12 but it's it's the stat that you kind of brought out was is is i really look at the third quarter the third quarter was really where things flipped because if you look at the whole first half there really wasn't much more than a three it wasn't much more than a three goal game but Mm -hmm. when you take it you look at the third quarter um, north melbourne kicks three goals seven seven behinds in one quarter gold coast kicks one goal that's it that was the quarter there if north melbourne puts it between the big sticks if three of those goals go through this goes from a nine point game to a 27 to 30 point game so that really is kind of the difference right now between these two teams is purely and simply north melbourne is playing better they just didn't put it on the scoreboard this was much more of a rousing win for the ruse mm-hmm. than 
a close game that Gold Coast was in if you really look at the statistics the way they were. And now the most important part about this game's breakdown and the thing that all of you I know look so very forward to every single week we do this is the Gold Coast Suns fan count. And this week, it's definitely going to take, I mean, it took a hit last week. It's going to take another one this week. I'll put it 18. 18 Gold Coast supporters after losing to North Melbourne Roos. Not looking good. But, hey, looking forward to next round against Richmond. If they're able to do a little something, kind of like we talked about during the Richmond uh, game, uh, breakdown with St. Kilda. Who knows? Their stock may skyrocket off of that one. But the next game after this is, I know, um, this was a really well-played game. And if you throw it back to um, our round 14 breakdown, Don and I were talking about, when Don must have brought the point where he thinks that there's a really good chance like whoever lost this game would be one of the teams that could fall out of the finals. The other one almost secures their spot within the top eight. And the weird thing was, so I, I didn't really have a lot of confidence in Parlay to win this game because they didn't win a single game this entire season against a top eight team. But what do you know, they go out, they get their first win over one of those teams this season as they barely edge out the Swans at the Oval. And while Sydney was able to avoid uh, maybe one of the slower starts that we're almost used to seeing from them, they get off to a good start. But they just kind of lose it in the second. You could see the momentum swing. And it swing hard for Port Adelaide. And that ultimately propelled them to victory. So, kind of what I said in the little beginning of this game, Donnie. Has Port secured their spot in the top eight? And is Sydney now at risk for dropping out? Even though it wasn't a bad game against Port. It was a very well played game. Especially when he had Buddy Franklin kicking four goals to boot. But... I mean, Port LA is one of the best goal-scoring teams this season. So, what do you think about this? This was a really, really good game. In my personal opinion, and this is not me being homerish or rose-colored glasses. <laughs> this was the game of the round. This was absolutely awesome footy. It was played in the wet. It was tough. It was physical to see both these teams get after it. And you could tell there was some urgency in this game. Port knew. They needed this win to kind of push back some of the flat track bully comments. The Port is potentially a team that is that's a little vulnerable in the eight. But I think Sydney did themselves a favor. I think a lot of people saw this game, saw how tough they played at Port Adelaide, how they were really in it. And then, to be completely honest with you, they got a lot of help. West Coast loses. Richmond loses. Sorry, GWS loses. Oh, there's no Rio sorry. Is the that whole team is sorry. Rio Rio is the only team in that little run of, in that area in the finals contention that won this weekend. So it's almost kind of a mulligan for Sydney. Yes, they get the loss, but if, if West Coast would have won, if Richmond would have won, if, if GWS would have won, Sydney would have been sitting there in seventh place, only percentages really ahead of GWS with the half with the half a game difference. And now Sydney is still eight points above the bottom uh, ninth place. So they've still got that game gap and yes, they've, and they've still got several difficult games. And now you, now you get a West coast team that there's still questions. Liam Ryan is going to potentially could be suspended after a head high contact in his game. You're almost the travel stuff going on with that like, team too. I love seeing the picture of one aisle. It's free of the other aisle. It's West coast. 
That's good stuff. That 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 is an amazing. It is an amazing photo. But you almost got it as a, as 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 Sydney really kind of has to thank their lucky stars. Mm-hmm. Everything that could help them out to stay in the finals hunt happened. But now the biggest question is they need to take matters into their own hands this week coming up against the West Coast Eagles. In all, this was an amazing, amazing game of footy. Um, congratulations, Port Adelaide. You really played an, an outstanding game of footy. Mm-hmm. This was the Port Adelaide that I love seeing play, a contested, hard-nosed footy team. And I got to give it, I mean, Lysat kicking the goal late to, to seal it. I mean, how many times do you see a ruck come in, bury one on one step? It was absolutely outstanding. The fans go absolutely bonkers. An amazing, amazing game. Even as a Swans fan, I got to give a, a tip of my proverbial cap to Scotty Lysat to be able to do that. But in all, in all, in, in putting my Swans hat on for half a second, if I wanted to, I'm not as disappointed with the performance not only because of the help that we got but i think we really kind of solidified ourselves we are missing a few guys but i think several people played really really well Mm -hmm. i think there may be some changes at the there may be some changes at selection this week going into that game against the west coast eagles but in all i'm not too disappointed with the performance though it is a loss it stinks we are still we still have that four point gap between us and rich between sydney and richmond in eighth place so i i can't be too upset after this game at all yeah it wasn't a bad loss and even though they did come on the wrong side of the scoreboard maybe to a lot of doubters of this sydney swans team this might have maybe gained them some attention maybe gained them a little more respect for being able to play a team like this that close um, hopefully people start to look at Sydney a different way. Hopefully Sydney continues to prove me right by saying that they were a final team going into this year. And now we go to the D's and Dons. And this was a game that uh, we were speculating could be a lot closer than some people might be giving credit for because Essendon's been playing well recently, but Melbourne's still the top team in the league. They keep their top spot, but the Dons, man... They were playing really hard, and they pushed the Ds to their limits in, in this game. The Ds are barely able to hold them off. We saw some inaccurate goal kicking for either side. Still continues to be the theme of this round. Christian Petrocker, though, he finishes as one of the goal leaders. And Zach Merritt, man, let's shout him out because he absolutely tore up the middle of the field um, with 41 disposals in this game. And one of the things you have to look like, although the D's are the top team in the league and they deserve that spot, you have to look at what's kind of been worrying a lot of people recently, and that's definitely not their defense. Their defense is by far the top in the league, and that's easily their strong suit. But a lot of the times their offense has been spotty, especially over the last few rounds. And so I still think they're premiership favorites, but... It seems like once you get late into the finals against these top eight, top four teams, if their defense is nothing but nothing less of a phenomenal, they're going to have a hard time winning games. This was just a game that was just tough. Like I, Essendon kind of came in with their run and gun style, and, and Melbourne really kind of benefited from Essendon's style of play, where they like to bomb it into the forward 50 and let their big forwards go and get it. Well, that, that suits Lever and May to a T. They're such great intercept markers that I think that really, really caused the, D, the, the, the Dons a lot of headaches because what they were used to getting in some of the other games, they couldn't. This, is, this Melbourne team is by far 
going away the best defensive team in the entire competition. There, there is very few arguments anybody close. can put up. Um, I mean, I think the Western Bulldogs are slowly kind of pulling their resume back together a little bit after a few shaky weeks there. But it, it is hard to argue that May, Lever, Christian, Salem, and that, that back line of the Melbourne Demons is not the best. I think now the biggest questions, it, it, it's almost kind of nitpick time on this Melbourne Demons because they're so good. I, I've noticed that now you get the questions of, so they big in. They bring in Ben Brown over the offseason, and Ben Brown's playing in the VFL. He kicks five over. He kicks five in the VFL this weekend. And now there's questions of do they bring Ben Brown back in after sitting after sitting Wiederman after seating um, Wiederman uh, this last week? Uh, does Ben Brown come in? Does he get his shot to join this? There, there's questions of does Ben Brown's style fit Melbourne's pressure forward type of uh, a game. So we'll really have to see how that goes. Um, I'm for me personally, as consistent as Ben Brown is kicking goals. I think Ben Brown needs a shot. I think if you stick him in there, I think it relieves Tommy McDonald a lot. I think it relieves uh, Kazi Pickett. I think it moves defenders around. I think it's going to give teams trouble. I think if you can keep him in the goal square and have him be a leading full forward, have him do just enough pressure to be able to bother the fullback, mm -hmm. I think Brown might be the better of the two, but we'll, we'll really have to see. Again, this is a team that the goal woes you don't want to say it, but this is a little bit of a worrying trend that they're not kicking the scores that they need. And as you said, when you come into finals, you need to score along with play good defense because it is going to be tough. It's going to be physical and every shot on goal will matter. And that's why your point to your point about Ben Brown is that they need to get him back into the lineup as soon as possible, because if any, if they're going to find any sort of answer to their goal kicking woes, it's going to be him. It's going to be Ben Brown. And to the point of him playing the VFL, I can't imagine being one of these younger guys <laughs> just seeing him walk out on the field and be oh, man, I'm going to have to defend this guy. Uh, good luck. Because <laughs> not even guys in the AFL could defend him uh, most of the time. So that's be one hell of a learning. Can we call it just a learning experience for those guys? <laughs> I'll be positive. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot imagine. Here we go. Uh, second to last game of the round. And it's the one I've been dreading to talk about the most just because <laughs> this game tore me up while I was trying to watch it because this was such a GWS game. It wasn't even funny. This is this GWS versus Hawthorne was the epitome of Giants footy because they get out to a really solid start. They get about to was a 22-23 goal or a point lead in the first quarter and then they kind of bottom out and then you could see just Hawthorne takes it and as soon as they took it out and like in the second half they took the lead about halfway through the second quarter I just knew this game was over but it's when you can't mark the football it's when you keep on giving all these turnovers through handballs especially in front of the goal I can't even tell you how many times that the, the, not only did they turn the, uh, the ball over in their own 50, but they turned the ball over right in front of the goal square. They did that so many times, and every single time, it's like, damn it, guys, <laughs> what are you doing out there? And they did finish this game with 78 turnovers, and obviously, that's never going to be a good stat. 
But at least to Hawthorne's credit, I'm not only going to, I'm not just going to bat the uh, Giants. I'm also going to talk up Hawthorne because Tom Mitchell and Dylan Moore made it a very, very apparent that they were ever in this game, whether it's kicking the goal, um, whether it's kicking goals or getting some huge speckies, man. Ah, oh, they were really flying all over that field. And the thing, the biggest takeaway, of course, is GWS obviously can't make the finals if they keep playing like this. Then even if they do make it, there's almost no hope that they even win the game unless they pull some miracle like uh, like Collingwood did last year. But man, the team—I don't know what to say. They're too hot and cold. They're too hit and miss. And to be a good footy team and to be able to be a finals contender. You have to be at least consistent, and that's something that this Giants team is not. This is just a game where I, I I watched this game live, and I just could not believe what I was watching. This was not the GWS team that has pushed higher opponents. It has won games they probably shouldn't have. This was not the same team. And I don't know if I want to fully give all of the negative credit to GWS or more give some positive credit because... I think Clarko is finding that little niche this year. He's got Scrimshaw and Day in the back are just become interception machines. I don't know if that is fully because GWS just had a horrible kicking day or those two just had an absolutely spectacular game both on the same day. That's, it's a fair bit of both. It's a fair bit of both in that. Yeah, yeah. There was there was definitely a few plays. Scrimshaw Day made it some several really good plays in the footy for some of those intercept marks. And then I agree more with an absolutely spectacular um, hanger that, I mean, there there are talks of that being up there with Shy Bolton and Jack Rewalt's uh, marks for Mark of the Year, which uh, that would be great so. to see. It's the least Mark of the Year. It's the least. Oh yeah, definitely. But this was just this was the old fashioned Hawthorne, just do enough to get the win type of game. It's this is the this is the Hawthorne that for the longest period of time so many in the AFL hated seeing because they were so good. It was so hard to beat them. They just made it so difficult to do that. And I don't know, is Clarko waving his magic wand and changing the the and, changing the the destiny of this Hawthorne team at the at the end of this year to, to where next year they could be a potential kind of dark horse team or is this just or is this just a little bit of GWS kind of taking Hawthorne lightly and Hawthorne surprising them and by the time GWS started attacking it it was too late and, and it, it is so difficult to put my finger on which one it is if not even a little of both if it was a GWS taking them lightly and Hawthorne having just a great game plan against this GWS team at just the right time mm-hmm. now I've I've tried my best to give Hawthorne the credit they deserve so hopefully I, I forget his name but that uh, one very specific YouTube commenter you know exactly who you are um Hopefully this has been enough to appease you for, for, for this. He definitely made, uh, made me eat my words for at least a little bit. So, uh, you know, congrats. I'm sure he's going to be uh, smiling when he listens to this. But, man, what about this? We go to Optus, and just for the second time this season, the Eagles drop a game at home as the Bulldogs absolutely tear through them. And the week of quarantine had... <laughs> You would not be able to tell that they spent a lot of their time in the hotel room this week, I'll tell you that much. And while West Coast, 
They did keep it close uh, until about halfway through the fourth quarter, and then all the it was just all Bulldogs at that point, and the game was it was over in a, in a heartbeat. The thing here is that it's going to be really hard to beat this Bulldogs team, like Dunny you you mentioned um, a couple of games ago that they're starting to almost heat up again defensively. That midfield started to pick things back up. That back line started to pick things up. And they're looking like the scary team um, that they were at the beginning of the season when they're still undefeated. And especially when you have guys like Bontepilli and Naughton combining for seven goals, that's going to be a tough thing to defend against. And it also doesn't help when the Eagles' top stars and like that big three that they kind of rely upon was pretty damn quiet, almost similar to what the Jalon Katz big three looked like this year. Their top scorer ended up being Oscar Allen, but he only had a couple here. I think he also had uh, one behind on that one. And while West Coast, they're still four points above the number eight team in Richmond. They don't have an easy schedule to round out the, their season. Because, well, their next game, Sydney. That's the one I'm really excited about. Of course, we'll get to that in our tipping. They do have a decent stretch between North Melbourne, Adelaide, and St. Kilda. But then you have a team that I'm always worried about in Collingwood. you got Melbourne. you got Fremantle probably playing for their, um, uh, for their finals lives at this point, And then you finish off the season against Brisbane. That's a tough stretch. Um, especially those last three games. So it's going to be interesting to see if the West Coast Eagles are able to pick it up in the next round, get a little momentum, so they can avoid falling out of this top eight in the last uh, eight rounds that we got this season. This was just a game where I almost go, did West Coast jump the gun with some of their bringbacks? Did they bring back some of these guys as as to, to quote the Aussie vernacular, underdone or guys that weren't completely <laughs> ready for AFL footy. And seeing this performance, it, there, there are parts of me that think maybe they did. Did Kelly come back early? Did Shuey come back too early? Is Yo really up to AFL standard when it comes to his fitness? We really don't know. And, and what, what isn't helping is the fact that Two hours before this game, this game was played on, in an empty stadium, so you had no Eagles fans at the game at all. Empty stadium. I think that really balanced this game out. I, mm-hmm. I think that I, I hate saying that the fans are a difference, but they are, especially in Optus Stadium, especially for the West Coast Eagles. I mean, their win against Richmond, I think if they play that behind behind closed doors, I think Richmond might actually have won that game if the fans weren't there. I think the fans really buoyed them big time. So this is a game that I do kind of say, I think West Coast were hurt a little bit by the fact they didn't have the fans. And like I said, I think they had a few guys on the field that were underdone. They weren't completely ready and they kind of paid for it. I mean, and now the worst part is, like I said earlier with Sydney, is Liam, it sounds like Liam Ryan may be out this week due to suspension, due to a head-high contact in this game against the Bulldogs, and he's been a linchpin for them. Yes, now, what everybody's What do you think talked. about that suspension real quick? I don't mean to interrupt you, but it, I just want... It's a it's a head high contact. It's hard to argue it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that may help him out is the fact that the guy, unfortunately, in Aussie rules footy, and, and this is something I don't completely agree with. And Aussie fans in, in the comments, please let me know what do you think of this. I hate this 
it depends on how what happens to the opponent. If the opponent gets hurt, then there's most likely a shot you'll get suspended. If they don't get hurt, you have a better chance of getting off. I think it should be the action that should be suspendable, not the outcome. And I, that's the most frustrating it's, thing for me. It should is be, that but I, it's almost like the optics alone of a hidden... I, I feel like that might put pressure on the league for a, a harder suspension or punishment. Like, it could be the same amount of shoving but if the player gets up they're fine you know they get their free kick or if they fall down awkwardly and they get a concussion it's going to be more severe and and like i said i think that only comes out to optics which isn't great but it's just almost the kind of day we live in unfortunately and and it it really is something that i think that the the mro really needs to look at because i I don't like that the 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 outcome is how they're suspended i think if you want to get rid of some of the things that are happening in the game that people are tired of you need to start suspending them for doing it not for what happens to the opposing player that they do it to so we'll have to see I, I have not heard anything that Liam Ryan is going to appeal that particular that particular one match ban. Again, it's only it's only it's only Tuesday, so we'll we'll really have to see on that one. But it, but in all, again, it, uh, um, not such a great performance. The Bulldogs kind of solidify themselves is, is pretty much them and the Demons have first and second pretty much locked up, except for maybe a little bit of wiggle room here or there. But um, and the Eagles again that they're, they're put in that little purgatory of, of six, seventh, and eighth that a couple of bad losses and a couple of wins by nine or ten, and you could see yourselves out of the finals. That's tough. <laughs> it really is tough, but at least if you're a Western Bulldogs fan, a lot of your worries I might have had from the last three, four rounds are kind of going away, and you're becoming a lot more confident in this team once again, which I, I think they are easily one of the best teams in the league. They're gonna to be tough to beat come finals. Now, the last game of the round was, it, it wasn't necessarily, this is another game where I ne- didn't necessarily have high hopes like the Frio and Collingwood game, but this really was a really fun game to watch, and you had the Blues finally getting rid of some of the Blues. They get a big win here against the Crows. They pull themselves together. They get a solid win, and it was Adelaide, another one of these games where Adelaide, they start well, and then Carlton absolutely took the game over they just grabbed it they to at least uh, what some of my football coaches would say you stop by our throat and you twist it that's exactly what this blues team did they kick eight goals during a 10 goal stretch in the second quarter and while the crows did make it close in the end it's really it's always going to be hard to overcome a 30 point deficit at any point of the game and my biggest takeaway here is it's something I've been saying for a number of weeks now is that the Crows, like when it comes to this offseason, I think their highest, their top priority should be getting a second goal scorer to go along with Taylor Walker because they really only have a chance to win if Big Tex is on, you know? And during their attempt to come back, you could see that who was the one kicking the big goals? And nine times out of ten, it was Big Tex. It, they were, it was they were obviously trying to do anything to get the ball in his hand so he can kick those goals for them. And he puts up three in this game. He still has a really good chance to win the Coleman too. So he's at forty right now. After Harry McKay kicked another two in this game, he's still the leader at forty three. But Big Tex can't do everything for you guys. And, and 
that's the only signs of success I have is when he kicks three or more. This was this this was one of those games. It was kind of a little bit of a trend breaker because this was one of those that for me, previous weeks, it's the reason that I tipped Adelaide in this game because the Crows were good for some kind of severe meltdown in the back down and giving back line and giving up four, five, six goals in a row. But they really kind of I think Lockie Jones and Weedering and Adam Sod, my gosh, what a game by Adam. Sod. I mean, wasn't that guy just everywhere? Every listening to the game broadcast, he could be for. Yeah, listening. I mean, sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to do that. But um, I mean, listening to the game broadcast, half the games you heard was Adam Sod. (laughs) Yeah, he was absolutely dynamic in this game. It was so so hard not to see him. He was always involved. Cripps has a great game. Walsh has a great game, as you said. Harry McKay, all their stars came to play so this was this was the performance i think a lot of people have been expecting all year that this team has the stars and the skills and the ability to be an absolute nightmare and the crows just for some weird reason they broke a lot of trends for carlton carlton has has the time where they give up several goals in a row that didn't happen um Carlton always has had trouble with small, really active forwards, and they have McAdam and Rowe, who are both really good goal scorers. Combined, one goal. That's it. One goal combined between those two. And the previous eight games, Carlton had given up at least three goals or more to a small forward in a game against them. So this really was a trend breaker for Carlton. I think the biggest thing for me is this game is a tiny bit marred with the Zach Williams with the Zach Williams incident that it's just a horrible, horrible look. I'm sorry, Zach Williams cop the one game. Fine. Be lucky because if it were me, it probably should have been more personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see, but that's just, that is a horrible, horrible look. And, and it kind of puts a bad taste on what I would say a nice win for the Carlton blues after several weeks of just utterly not great defensive footy on this, on behalf of the mighty blues. Yeah, so maybe this, who knows this win and this new offensive spark could help Carlton at least maybe attempt to finish on the height note this off season, at least for those fans. I mean, finals are out of the picture, but maybe, Maybe the fans can have a little something happy to leave a little bit of sweeter taste in the mouth as they end the season um, over these next eight games. But that's going to do it for the round 15 breakdown of or portion of this episode. And so you know what time it is. It's time to hear the best team that you can put together from this round. Donnie, please take it away. Oh, man, this this is going to be great. Some absolutely spectacular performances here in round 14. Let's jump right into it. We'll jump on the back line. Defense wins championships. But let's see. Our defenders, let's start off with Brisbane's Daniel Rich. 25 disposals, 4 intercept possessions, 5 score involvements, 7 marks, and 641 meters gained from Mr. Rich. Richmond's Jaden Short, 22 disposals, a behind, 3 intercept possessions, 3 score involvements, 5 marks, 4 clearances, 6 tackles, and 471 meters gained. Next up would be Essendon's Dyson Heppel. 26 disposals, a goal, 5 intercept possessions, 6 score involvements, 10 marks, 313 meters gained, and one of the most awesome moments of the entire round. I don't know if you saw this, Ross. He has a, he has a little friend who is able to do the coin toss in their game with Melvin. 
and as a as a really cool treat, he talked he talked Max Gaughan into taking a picture after the coin toss with his little friend before the game started. It was absolutely heartwarming. Well, that's it's sweet. awesome to that's see nice. that that great great show uh, uh, of unity uh, amongst the footy players. Both those captains taking a picture with that young man there who has befriended Dyson Heppel. There, just I wanted to throw that in really quickly. Um, Hawthorne's Jack. Scrimshaw, 28 disposals, nine intercept possessions, a goal assist, four score involvements, six marks, and 286 meters gained. Collingwood's Braden Maynard, 27 disposals, five intercept possessions, uh, three score involvements, eight intercept. No, sorry, that should be five intercept possessions, eight score involvements. My apologies. Six tackles and 661 meters gained. Rounding out the defenders would be GWS's Harry Perryman. 29 disposals, a goal, three intercept possessions, five score involvements, five marks, and 606 meters gained. We jump into the center square. We go to the ruck, and good old Brody Grundy returns to his spot as the Ruckman with 22 disposals, two goals, three intercept possessions, seven score involvements, seven marks, 27 hitouts, and 219 meters gained. And what I consider the best Ruck battle of the entire weekend with him and Sean Darcy of the Fremantle Dockers. That was absolutely incredible to watch those two big guys get after their Ruck craft. Midfielders, first we start with Zach Merritt, an amazing 41 disposals behind, four intercept possessions, two goal assists, eight score involvements, five marks, three clearances, eight tackles, and 563 meters gained. Hard to argue this man is not the Brownlow favorite as we speak. Western Bulldogs, Marcus Bontempelli, 29 disposals, three goals, a behind, five intercept possessions, a goal assist, nine score involvements, four marks, 10 clearances, seven tackles, 514 meters gained. Sydney's Luke Parker, 34 disposals, a goal, seven intercept possessions, four score involvements, six marks, seven clearances, and 229 meters gained. Melbourne's Christian Petraka, 26 disposals, two goals, eight score assists, score involvements six marks four tackles 398 meters gained rounding out the midfield would be st kilda's luke dunston 32 disposals a goal three intercept possessions six score involvements four marks 11 clearances and 667 meters gained going to the forwards you mentioned him earlier sydney's lance buddy franklin 16 disposals four goals two behinds a goal assist 10 score involvements three marks and 362 meters gained brisbane's joe danaher 14 disposals four goals a behind eight score involvements six marks and 420 meters gained the western bulldogs aaron naughton 15 disposals, four goals, two behinds, a goal assist, eight score involvements, and nine marks. Fremantle's Rory Lobb, 17 disposals, three goals, two behinds, nine score involvements, eight marks, and 331 meters gained. He did do just enough, sir. Taylor Walker of the Adelaide Crows, 14 disposals, three goals, four behinds, nine score involvements, five marks, and 365 meters gained. And when you take an amazing hanger and kick four goals, I got to get you in this team. Hawthorne's Dylan Moore, 20 disposals, four goals, a behind, nine score involvements, four marks, 445 meters gained. 
we go to the bench and then you're going to notice a tiny bit of a theme with my bench. I feel kind of bad after I did this. Port Adelaide's Scott Lysette will be our Ruck. 14 disposals, a goal. And as I said earlier, when you kick a game-winning goal, I'm going to have to get you in my team of the round. That's why Scotty Lysette finds himself on the bench. Five intercept possessions, three score involvements, five tackles, 38 hitouts, and 223 meters gain. The defender, also from Port, Dan Houston, 18 disposals, a goal, five intercept possessions, a goal, assist, five score involvement, six marks, seven tackles, and 327 meters gained. The midfielder, also from Port, <laughs> Travis Boak, 29 disposals, a goal, five intercept possessions, five score involvements, three marks, eight clearances, eight tackles, and 456 meters gained. Our forward, unfortunately, is not from Port. I almost did it. Norris Nick Larkey, 16 disposals, three goals, a goal assist, five score involvements, eight marks, and 221 meters gained for the Ruse forward. And that, sir, will round out my team of the week. Port Adelaide fans, I know I got all three on the bench. I almost got them in the set, but at least I got them in there. Three great performances by three really solid Port Adelaide players there. And now on to the last couple sections of the episode, whether we're going on to our round 16 power rankings, and then the subsequent tipping, which hopefully goes a little better this round. Guess we'll see. But power <laughs> rankings first, and let's just tell you like, what, five or six rounds in a row where we have the same five teams just in different order. Uh, I do love it, though. I, I guess what they say, great minds think alike. And it's almost hard to argue with, uh, with some of these positions. It's hard to argue against these teams, um, like it seems like the top five is pretty set every round. Uh, it's just about where you feel they belong. So both of us, of course, they still are at the top. The Brisbane Lions are the best team in the AFL. And then we still had the Demons, the Gats, and the Western Bulldogs on here. But Geelong kind of took a little bit of a hit this round after losing a good uh, – it. I don't know, good-ish? No, no, that really, no. They, after losing a bad game to the Lions, uh, why did they drop all the way to four for you from number one last round? Oh, just, I think it's just the putrid performance. They just did not play really, really well. And it doesn't help that the Western Bulldogs and the Melbourne Demons both won. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I couldn't put them down to five. I mean, Ports had, Ports had a few kind of rocky performances here before, so I really couldn't drop them all the way down to five. I, I put Geelong in fourth. And I, have, I have I have the Western Bulldogs. I mean, when you have such an impressive win on the road at the West Coast, yes, it was indeed crazy environment that it could have been i gotta give the dogs a little bit of credit the d's after coming back from the bye week they haven't been as impressive mm -hmm. as i really think they should be um so that's why i've got them in third so that's kind of kind of my 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 thinkings on that is just brisbane is just playing so so well such a great performance against the former number one power ranking team for me the doggies great performance i think is the reason i put them second melbourne in third again i think they're still going to jump up i think they're still going to be a little bit of fluctuation I, i'll settle the cats in for fourth they're still a really good team it's one loss and then i have port there in fifth i think port with a really really good game and with richmond sydney and West Coast all taking a loss. Frio only going two of their last five. I Port was the natural number five for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's one of these times. It's feel like the last like number of rounds where it's obvious who the top four are, but 
that fifth team, it's like, it's really the best of the worst, uh, essentially, is when you're looking here. But for me, Geelong lost to the hottest team in the league right now. So I bumped them down from one to three, which it's mostly because I still have more confidence in Geelong right now after this round than I do over the Western Bulldogs, although the, that they look great, like we mentioned. I still think Geelong's a little more proven. Love Melbourne in number two because they have by far the best defense and defense wins championships, at least in most of the sports I watch. We'll see if that correlates here to the AFL this season. Uh, their offense is still a little spotty for me, but I still like the team as a whole. They're number two, and Port Adelaide for me, number five, for essentially the same reasons that you gave. If you're looking at form, they're on. They're the one of the only top teams that won this round and they have one of the better looking records over the last three four five rounds of footy but we'd love to see what you guys think so going over to our socials at um twitter at fourth long radio instagram at fourth long radio and uh leave your comment on that one to, to see yes no also who has the best list because it's always nice to throw a little bit of friendly competition in there it never hurts but donnie Let's go on. Let's cap this thing off with our round 16 tipping. And I already said, hopefully it goes better for me. Uh, you also didn't have the best of rounds, but obviously it was way better than mine. So I'm not going to say anything against you. So here's the uh, wishful thinking that it goes better for both of us here in 16. And we're going to start it off with the first game of the round, which is going to be the Gold Coast Suns and the Richmond Tigers taking place at Marvel. So Richmond fans, uh, cry your eyes out, but... Man, I, I think that's my favorite part about any game in Marvel. Just seeing the Richmond fans kind of complain. Uh, it, it's good stuff. Oh, okay, so I'm going to tip Richmond, but I'm, I'm going to put this tiny, tiny caveat there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but Richmond right now is just so injury. I mean, they lost two guys this week with both with both Broad and Bolta going down with syndesmosis injuries. And but the thing, and we're not sure if Boston will be back now. It sounds like Damian that Prestia will also be out as well with a hamstring injury. It does sound like they're going to get Lynch back. So mm-hmm. with some of the losses, they do get a positive. I I'm gonna tip Richmond, but I'm gonna put that caveat as don't be shocked if Gold Coast is in this game. Oh. I, I don't. I just have this really weird feeling that this is. This is that gold. This is that Gold Coast gets out of Metricon. They get to go down. They go to Marvel Stadium, which, as we've kind of previously, we'll, we'll do the we'll do the little bit of the cheap shot. I mean, our <laughs> Richmond fans got to show up. It's Marvel Stadium. Heaven forbid we go the extra kilometer. Um, we we'll, guess we'll see. I'm hoping that Richmond shows up and shows why they are one of the best teams. But if they don't, it, I mean, this is a Thursday night primetime game. If I'm Stewie Do, I get his young kids just absolutely riled up to get after the best possible shot you have to beat Richmond at this present point. I think Richmond wins this, but I will not be shocked at all if Gold Coast is in this game. If it wasn't for Gold Coast's track record of sucking in the, in late in the season around this time, I would love to tip them. Unfortunately, I, I guess I have to go off of history where Richmond, I guess you can never count them out, unfortunately. <laughs> Say that phrase through my teeth. And Gold Coast always sucks at this time of the year. So I'm going to tip Richmond, but like you, Donnie, 
I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm also really hoping that the Suns actually pull it off. And before we move on to the next game, while we're still on the topic of Richmond, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Twitter follower Brettley, um, Richmond supporter, because he, uh, man, I swear you Aussies always have something good to come back with. Um, he said something to the effect of, don't poke the bear, when I was making a joke about Richmond supporters whining about being a Marvel. So consider yourself poked. He goes on to say, uh, Consider yourself send a copy of the 2019 Grand Final. <laughs> oh, so. Awesome. I'll give him that one. I'll give him that one. It was a cheap shot, but so was my Pokemon in Richmond, so I love that stuff. That was that was a good one. Um, next game, though, um, right now it's set to um, take place with Jalon still as a home to the GM HBA in Victoria. Jalon Cats. The Essendon Bombers in the wild. If if Geelong won against Brisbane, I would love to tip Essendon, but I am worried that the Cats are coming out, kind of like I mentioned in the game breakdown of this, that they're going to come out pissed off, they're going to come out hungry, and unfortunately Essendon, just, it just might not be uh, the best time to play this Cats team. This is a game I'm super, I, I'm extremely excited to watch because I want to see what Cats team shows up. Do we get a Cats team that, as you said, they're angry, they're upset, they really want to kind of show the league that that the, the Brisbane game was was a one off that, that it wasn't there, or do we see this Geelong team that showed up at Brisbane that kind of wasn't all is as solid as they normally have? If the Geelong team that shows up that's angry, Essendon could be in for a long night because the biggest question will be is can their defense hold up to the absolute avalanche that could be Cameron Hawkins and Gary Rowan. But I'm going to caveat this one as well. Essendon is young. They get after people. And they're going to push this older Geelong team to the brink as much as possible. Cadenia Park will help out the Cats because they won't have to run as much. It is a skinny, it is a it is a short ground, so that will help them. I think this is close. I think this is under two goals. I, I I'm going to tip Geelong in this one, but Essendon I think is a real hot crack in this game. I, I I'm really excited to watch this one because this one could definitely be a game of the round contender mm -hmm. just by what you could see happening. Hands down. Uh, the next game is going to take us on over to the MCG between Melbourne and the Giants. Um, the Demons win this. It's probably not close because their defense is going to destroy this awful, G recently awful GWS offense, and I have no confidence in this game. Oh, man. Which uh, I'm going to tip Melbourne. But this is just the round where some of these games are just, they, they're intriguing because you don't, again, what GWS shows up? Is it a lackluster GWS that played Hawthorne? Or do we see a GWS team that kind of comes out wanting to kind of stick it to the Victorian media who are like, well, you, you kind of, you lost your shot of making the finals because you couldn't beat Hawthorne. 
Well, Melbourne's not exactly in the greatest form right now. They're winning games, but they're not exactly in the greatest of form if, if, if we're being completely honest with ourselves. So I think GWS is in this game. I think Melbourne, I think Mel, I agree with you. I think Melbourne wins this, mm-hmm. but another one, it, it, there, there will be no shock factor if GWS is in this game and, and maybe even finds a way to pull the upset. Appreciate the hope you give me, Donnie. Uh, at least one of us could, could be optimistic about this team at this point in time. Ah, Adelaide Crows and the Brisbane Lions at the Adelaide Oval. I just don't think that the at the Crows' offense can't keep up with Brisbane scoring, quite frankly. So I, I'm very comfortable with picking the Lions in this one. I think they stay hot and they stay the hottest team in the league. This is a game I, I we're really keeping an eye on right now because the South Adelaide government has still not completely ticked off Brisbane coming in. Brisbane has flown down to Victoria. They're trying to set up their isolation so then they can fly into South Adelaide just like the Swans, Cats, and Collingwood have done over the last three weeks. Fly in, play, fly out. Well, we're going to keep an eye on that. that. That along with the location of the Carlton-Fremantle game is still kind of, it hasn't completely 100 been, has 100 been, 100% been confirmed mm-hmm. that it will be at the Adelaide Oval. So I really want to keep an eye on it. I agree. I think Brisbane just has a little too much firepower up front. Um, Taylor Walker's got to kick seven or eight to keep Adelaide in this, unless Shane McAdam and Rowe have a really good game as well. But that that Brisbane defense, they may not be star-studded like Lever and May at Melbourne, but they just get the job done. I think they get the job done here. I think mm-hmm. Brisbane wins this one, three or four goals in this one. Now, at least the AFL website still has Optus Stadium listed as the home place for Fremantle and Carlton. Is that still, or were they leaving Perth? It is It is not going to be in Perth because Frio and West Coast have flown to Melbourne no. right now. The, the game, right now the game is up between Launceston down in Tasmania and GMHBA Stadium. The when they play will depend on where it's played and it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. again they will need special um exemptions to go into tassie with the government's help they're pretty sure they can do that the other question is do they have the video equipment to be able to broadcast the game from launceston because i guess they had it for the bombers hawthorne game and i guess it was sent back to mainland victoria really? so if they need it <laughs> that's yep. a funny problem to have it's a very yeah there's some very interesting um if it were up to Fremantle, i know the Fremantle brass and the upper aboves have said, stated that they would prefer to have the game in launceston because it would kind of even out the game instead of it being a gmhba or at marvel due to that would be a lot closer for carlton fans to get there since this is supposed to be a road game for Carlton out at Optus Stadium so mm-hmm. right now this game is still a tiny bit in flux on where it is going to be played it will be either played Saturday afternoon I think it is down in or, no Saturday night in GMHBA or Saturday afternoon if it is played in Tassie and Launceston so obviously that does change things a little bit since so not Optus Fremantle obviously plays a lot better there even though it will be closer to maybe more of a neutral site kind of field I still like the Dockers. I still like the hot, the hotter streak that they've been on, um, and I can't expect this Carlton team to have back-to-back successful offensive games. They haven't done it this year, so I um, don't have. There's nothing to to show me that they can do it again. 
my my question is is what Carlton again shows up? It's this is this is their this is the the question that I have. Is it the Carlton that showed up against Adelaide? Because if it is, Frio is going to have their hands full. If it is the free, it if is if it's the Carlton from three or four weeks ago, I think Frio wins this. Now there, there's talk. It sounds like Nat Fife will be back. He sat out the last game because they were still not completely 100% sure on his shoulder. I think that is a boost. They do lose Matt Tabiner. It does not sound like he's going to get himself up after having another injury setback in the latest game. Um, I'm going to go Frio on this one, but I'm not super, super confident because if Carlton plays the momentum from the last win, this could be a very difficult matchup for this Dockers team. I'm going to go Dockers, but I'm still not not 100% sure on this particular tip. Man, there's, there's a lot of tough games this round. Just like uh, last round wasn't, it didn't feel tough to tip. There's just a lot of really unexpected results. This one, a little bit different, this feeling. Uh, the next game, we got Port Adelaide and Hawthorne. And I do like Port Adelaide this one. They've had a really good track record against teams out of the top eight. And if anything goes to prove, although the Hawks have been on a little bit of a streak. Uh, these last number of rounds, I still feel like Port Adelaide definitely it is just the all-around better team and has the ability to, to get things done. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I, I'm going to tip Port, but keep an eye on, <laughs> on Hawthorne. I don't know what Port's got to go on the road. they got to go over to Victoria. Sometimes they don't always travel as well. This is a team that if you follow their record, they should beat handily, but I there's something about the way Hawthorne is playing right now that's got me very, very, very... My, my ears are pricked on this one. Um, I'm going to tip Port, but again, if, if Hawthorne finds a way to stay in this game, it will not surprise me. I think this next game between the Sydney Swans and the West Coast Eagles is the most intriguing one to me this round, and it's also going to be the hardest one for me to tip uh, right now, we got this one taking place at the GMHBA Stadium in Victoria. And the Swans, they took a bad loss. to Or they, they took a, a good loss. Uh, if you know loss is good, but they took as best of a loss as you could against Port Adelaide. West Coast just got trounced by the um, Western Bulldogs. I like Sydney as the Sydney's is by far the more... Let's say, let, let's say um, consistent team this year. I almost know what I can get from Sydney. I, I could almost expect a seventy goal game out of them every every round. With West Coast, I don't know if I could get that, especially with them being on the road. That's why I'm going to Sydney, and this is a huge, um, almost must win game for either one of these teams. Oh, this game, I, 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 I waffled so much because there, there's, I, I had a pretty good track record uh, of tipping the, the Swans games almost in kind of reverse luck. Yeah, you have. <laughs> when, 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 they were, when they were underdogs, I tipped the favor and Sydney would find a way to win. I, I'm going to go on a tiny bit off of statistics here and kind of go off a tiny bit of trends. West Coast hate GMHB State, GMHB. A stadium. They have not played really well. See, that's and surprising. Fast. And surprisingly, <laughs> Sydney has played the Cattery very, very well, have mm. won three of their last four down in GMHBA. They've surprisingly played the Cattery really well against Cats team that usually is quite, quite difficult to beat 
down in GMHBA. So I'm going to tip the swans on this one. I just think Horse has a lot of momentum with this group. I think they're building something. And the loss of Liam Ryan, if Liam Ryan does not play for the Eagles, for some weird reason, it just throws this team a little bit. I'm kind of banking as a Swans fan on Shuey and Yo and Kelly are still a little underdone and that Joey Kennedy, Luke Parker, Robottom, hopefully if Warner is potentially back this week, I don't think so. I think he'll still be out that the Swans midfield can kind of get up on him a little bit. I'm very, very fascinated with the Tom Hickey versus Nick Natanui matchup since Hickey played at West Coast last year as Natanui's backup. So I'm very fascinated to see, did he learn any tips on maybe how to take down (laughs) the giant that is Nick Natanui in the run? I, I will be absolutely fascinated. My favorite part about this for me is that this game is at a decent 10 10 p.m. start time for me on a Saturday night so it'll be incredible to be able to watch my swans and not feel like I can fall asleep halfway through the first quarter I'm, I'm in 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 ecstatics that this game is when it is I think it will be a fascinating watch here we go isn't that gonna be a good one and the second to last game of the round is going to be between the Conway Magpies and the St. Kilda Saints and this is an interesting one to me just because of the Saints win against Richmond with that. I think this has a chance to be a really low scoring affair. Maybe the lowest of the round just because what's Collingwood known for? Defense. What's St. Kilda do well? Last round, defense. I mean, ignoring the tons of Richmond mistakes. Let's look at St. Kilda's defense there. So I'm not really expecting too much scoring from here. But I do like Collingwood to, to edge out the Saints team. The return of Brody Grundy and Taylor Adams, I think, really, really helped them. They they had a few things just not go their way in that Fremantle game. I think they really played really, really well. Uh, St. Kilda is just too inconsistent for me to sit here and say they're going to bounce back from the they're going to they're bounce from this Tigers game and get on this momentum and win two or three games in a row. I just have not seen anything for me to be able to completely and confidently say that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go Collingwood. I think Harvey gets his first win as the caretaker coach. I I think he's got, there's something about the way Collingwood has been playing the last few weeks that I like. I think they still played really, really well, even in a loss against Frio. So I am going to tip the Magpies in this one. And while the North Melbourne Roos have been playing teams hard and they've been having close games most recently against you know Brisbane a couple of rounds ago, they almost pulled a surprise there. There's always that chance with the Roos and pulling a surprise win, but I, I I cannot pick against the Western Bulldogs in a game like this. It's 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 impossible, quite frankly. <laughs> Oh man, the match we get the matchup, the return matchup from earlier in the year when the North Melbourne Roos got absolutely spanked 167 to 39. And I don't think I'm jumping off too high a limb to say I do not think that that scoreline is going to be anywhere close to this. I think North <laughs> Melbourne stays in this game. I think the Western Bulldogs class will run them over in the fourth quarter. I don't see this as a 100-point loss. I don't even see this as a 50-point loss. I'm thinking six goals max, 30 points max. I think North Melbourne has improved their play that much 
I think they stay in this. Again, this is not full-fledged 100% Western Bulldogs. They're still without Dunkley. They're still without Chalor. This is not the same Western Bulldogs team, and this is definitely not the same North Melbourne Roos team. I think North stays in this game for at least three quarters, and I think Western kind of puts a few up late and makes it a little bit more of what you would think the game between North Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, but I will tip the Bulldogs, but uh, I... I think the Rouge will stay in this one. Really curious about this one. Wouldn't this be one hell of a team to pull the upside against and get your third win on the season? But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our round 15 breakdown of the AFL season. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, whether it be the uh, larger percentage that is in the States, whether it be a pretty good chunk of you that are all the way over in Australia, we really do love and appreciate you. And of course, for any one of those like 20 countries that were found in, uh, your support really does mean the world to us. And to that point, I mean, it's going to be an Independence Day coming up this weekend, so I hope all of our American fans have a great time grilling, loving the country, and just having an all-around good time. Um, try not to blow your fingers off with some fireworks, because obviously uh, that's something we want to avoid. I mean, I know you Aussies, we we both share, share a common theme in breaking away from the British, so... Although it might not be your independence day from them, go on now and, and, and almost like a, I'm not giving you permission, but encouraging. Go celebrate with uh, with uh, like your cousins across the pond are doing. Uh, because, I mean, who doesn't love a uh, oh, snag? Snag, that's the word. That's the word I was looking for, you guys. We're going to enjoy our hot dogs. You enjoy your snags. And we're going to have a good time. But Donnie, cap things off. Your thoughts on round 15 in one word or phrase. Round 16 this week is, oh man, I, I, I want to put it out there. I don't know what it is. I have the word upset. I, I, I love it. There's something about love this. It. There's something about this round. I don't know. I, I have this weird feeling that this could be another week of upsets after last week's round that I'm, I'm, I'm almost concerned to the point that I have this feeling that there could be a ton of upsets this week, which would be, the latter will, will look quite interesting going in to next round. And, and before I throw it away, I just wanted to do this tiny little thing. I, I, I talked to Ross off mic a little bit before. Keep an eye out, ladies and gentlemen, oh, for boy. a new episode of Donnie's Disposals. Oh, Yours truly boy. has pulled something. I have a very special surprise. I have a special guest interview tomorrow, tomorrow actually, from recording. I, I don't want to give anything away, but let's just safe to say I have a very awesome, awesome interview I have set up for tomorrow, and it should be here very, very soon. I cannot wait to share it just a tiny tease for you a new donnie's disposals will be out i'm hoping very soon i am extremely excited to hear the recording from that man i, I really can't wait super pumped i are able to get this and i'm sure everyone is going to love this one but ladies and gentlemen we love you all hope you have a great rest of your day and we will see you after round 16